0: Welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. It's Katie and Izzy and we're hanging out and we're about to talk about one of my absolute favorite movies and definitely my top favorite musical on this planet. Uh, I even have portraits of the main characters tattooed on my feet. Um, So hopefully, hopefully that can get across the obsession that I have for this movie
1: I think you need to lay on the ground and put your feet in the air so that we can see them.
0: There. Uh, um, hold, please.
1: <laughs> I was kidding, but she's doing it. Oh, okay. All right, no, then no, can, you, oh, you started. Do it. Oh, okay. I did a whole hold. interpretive dance last time. Let me see your feet. Okay, here. This is where we're branching out into our OnlyFans' um, Katie's feet pics.
0: Yeah, this is the only time you're gonna get to see my feet. This is my, my feet are cold, and now I'm taking off my wool socks for you guys. Like, I hope you understand the love. It was a okay. Cold now day this, today. this this is the scary part. I'm gonna let's see it. I stand up. Hold on.
1: Oh, okay. Doing some gymnastics. Um, if you want to see this, it will be on our Patreon where we post our videos. Um. Oh. Oh. Okay. There's Mrs. Lovett. Then a Bonham Carter version. It's so shaky and out of focus. <laughs> oh my gosh, Katie. <laughs> there you go. That's beautiful. Now oh, that does look so good. Her hair looks fantastic. And here comes Sweeney Todd. Oh, she bombed her microphone. She's standing on a wheelie chair about to fall over. And there's Sweeney Todd. Dig it. So if you haven't figured it out, we are doing Sweeney motherfucking Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street 2007 version created by the Tim Burton.
0: Cramp in my foot.
1: That was beautiful. That was pure art. Um, I told them we're starting an OnlyFans featuring your feet, so.
0: We're definitely not going to do that, <laughs> but I mean like, well, it would probably make some money, but you know.
1: Not, Anyways, not for, not the attention that I think we want okay
0: uh, not exactly
1: um, so, so this, yes we need to yeah. this is going to be a two-parter because I got real excited um, so <laughs> this first half is going to be based on actual or sorry is going to feature the stories and the musical and everything that this film is based on and then part two will hit the actual film itself pretty hard um yeah so buckle in i've got 11 pages of notes <laughs> so.
0: yeah she went a little overboard but it's, it's
1: cool it's not overboard it's, worth it. it's just right
0: it's this it's worth it to be honest sweetie todd is fucking worth it so i'm, lately, I'm all for it
1: lately we've gotten a lot of new listeners so if you're new welcome and if you're joining been, yeah if you've been here the whole time then You get it. (laughs) So.
0: Uh, Yeah. So. Sorry, I'm putting my socks back on.
1: Caitlin went from naked to dressed real quick.
0: Just doing my best here.
1: What's your shirt? Sweatshirt. Is it Hellfire Club? Is that what it is?
0: Yeah. My mom bought it for me. (laughs) Dig it. It's honestly one of the most comfortable sweatshirts in the world, too. Alright. Jesus. Okay. I have a new desk. Well, it's not new, but I changed desk because it's a lot lower. And now my chair hits it, and it throws it off, and it shakes everything. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was told okay. I need to back so...
1: up from the microphone a little bit, because apparently people don't want to hear me breathe. So, <laughs> I'm trying to back up. They're missing out, missing out. Sorry, I apologize if the sound is off this episode. Okay.
0: Anyways, oh, so funny you breathe? Sorry, that was weird. <sighs> that's what I like. Okay. Anyways, before we talk about the film, obviously, we are uh Izzy did all the the history, the compiled the history of it and uh I have one prop my penny dreadful series that has and I'm sure we'll get into it. The String of Pearls. We
1: will. And quick side note, I'll mention this later too, but the writer, I think it was the writer of this film also did the writing for the TV series Penny Dreadful. There it is. Uh,
0: I love that show.
1: Me too. We should do that for the Patreon next. I wanted to Ooh, rewatch it actually. Okay.
0: Oh, well, there we go.
1: Let's do this. Um, so we're going to sing the whole thing in honor of sweet Just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's be honest. Kay. I do know every word to all the songs. Um, in, in order to get into one of my roles back when I worked at the Haunted House, I would um, pace around singing uh, Best Pies in London to myself. And I'm... my security guard would like, catch me doing it and he would laugh his ass off. But like it put me in the best headspace for being a crazy woman.
1: We are gonna give everyone full warning when we get there that lyrics will be sung. I was writing oh, 100%. out like, the first like ten minutes of the movie and there's like seven songs back to back. So yeah. I was like And they're great. It. Songs. All right, they're also catchy too. Like I love the tunes. Okay. Anyways. So All Right, we're gonna do this. So before the film adaptation by Tim Burton that starred Helena Bonham Carter, Johnny Depp. it was magical yeah it was still magic and i'm sure the people who did it on stage were great too but that's not what we're here to talk about yeah okay um and before (laughs) it was a play written by christopher bond and directed by maxwell shaw it was a stage play a non-musical stage play right written by george dibdin pitt but before that, it was a story published in a newspaper, which was based on a series of songs, which was based on a French oral legend, so they say. So we're going to get through all of that. He said, she said. That's a song. Who sings Asha yes, He said, she said. <laughs> I just sent you that, right? That was the other day. Okay.
0: Sure, I sent it to you, but that's okay. Okay.
1: Either way, I'm going to claim credit because that's what I do so let's untangle this convoluted history by finding the beginning which is maybe not the beginning but that's okay i think like i was like oh this is a story it's based on and then halfway through the notes i found other resources that were like it might also be based on these so we'll go through there yeah Um, So there's stories of a French butcher from 1384 to 1387 that made the most delectable pâtés and pies that even the king was said to partake in them from time to time. His pies had the special delicacy of fresh meat, human meat because nothing's fresher than a human. That's a lie. We're disgusting. Uh, His supplier was his barber who was his neighbor who preferred victims that were foreign students who would be less likely to be noticed as missing. Smart. It is said that one of his victims had left his dog outside the barber shop while he went in for a shave, and when he didn't return with the puppers, his wife went searching for him. So this is an instance where he strayed from his M.O. of foreign students and fucked up and got caught. He got comfortable. Complacent. See that. I do that, too, and that's when I end up eating a whole bag of candy. So, um, I lost my spot, okay. The wife and the dog, oh, she found the dog and thought, sorry, the wife found his dog outside the barbershop, and thought that the dog was just obsessed with the barbershop for some random reason, so she got the police involved. And they eventually uncovered a heap of bones in the tunnels beneath the butcher, thus ending the delicious pies and the murder streak. I'm assuming that that pile was not to be confused with the catacombs that are also in Perry. But yeah. So the story I found said that the butcher, barber, and their shops were burned in order to exorcise any demons or evil. A bronze dog statue was erected on the corner to commemorate the dedicated pup who cracked the case, like Balto, with its gruesome history. The raised area was abandoned for a century until King Francois, uh, that's one, allowed construction on the site. The bronze dog remained on guard until the mid-19th century, when that area of the island went through its grand transformation into the present-day Hotel Dieu. Um, in my island, there's this spot uh, like right next to the Eiffel Tower and the other side of the city that's kind of like in the canal thing. I don't know, the river, I guess. I don't know what the fuck they call it. Surrounded by rivers. Um, they call it an island, but it's like, it's not like an island island. We all know. Just so no one comes at me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, today, even though the shop fronts and the dog statue are gone, you can still visit the site of the first thought-to-be Sweeney Todd at 20 Rue, I don't know how to say this, Chenwiness, which is now the Parisian Police Department's motorcycle
0: garage. Um, be my best, that would be my best Guess to be honest. <laughs> There's has been a, a long time since I've actually done French. Yeah.
1: There's a blogger that traveled to this place. Um, and in the bottom, like the parking garage beneath the police department, there's like ruins of a wall. And she said she spoke to a policeman who it's the who uh was like, Yeah, it's the Sweeney Todd wall butcher shop or something like that. Like they still like amp it up there okay. too. So my hands are real twitchy to got spear fingers going on today. Okay. I like it. Um These are not spirit
0: fingers. These are spirit fingers. Yeah. Amen.
1: Uh, Yeah. So there are no documents existing today that show these events actually happened. So the question is, did it really happen? And if not, where did the stories come from? And that's where we're going to go. So there are other stories that may have inspired this, of course. Um, starting with stories in the news, which the, uh, sorry. So when this story, the French baker hit the news, of course, newsstands back then made everything like super dramatic and sensationalized, much like they do now. Um, and so it could be that it was started out as a simple story and it just kind of like snowballed into this wild, crazy story. So... An article from the London Chronicle dated December 2nd, 1784 tells a story of a traveling barber who was murdering people near Hyde Park in London. I did find a Daily Mail article where the author claimed he found records of the real Sweeney Todd, who was born in the London East Side on October 26, 1756 in Brick Lane to a poor young silk weaver and an abusive alcoholic
0: father. Not the way to start. October 26th is a very uh, common birthday I've discovered. Um, my brother, my father in law, uh, an old friend's daughter that I know of, they all have the same birthday, which is October 26th. Fun fact. I'm gonna Google. Other celebrities born on October 26th. I hope it's just nothing but serial killers. Amen. <laughs> Scorpios, man. <laughs> Just kidding. I love all Scorpios.
1: My Let's sister's a Scorpio. See, so. top celebrities. Snoop Dogg, maybe. All right. This is a lame list. Okay. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Seth McFarlane. Keith
0: yep. mm-hmm. Urban, um, anybody else that's a real... A lot of
1: YouTube stars are apparently famous enough to make this list.
0: Tom Cavanaugh, Carrie Ewells, that's awesome. As you... If you've seen The Princess Bride, you understand.
1: <laughs> He's also Despero. In um
0: Psych the T V series. Also Julian Dennison, the guy that the kid that uh uh plays he's a he's in Deadpool two. He plays the little kid that ha- can't control his power or whatever. Anyways, that's October twenty sixth. <laughs> Are you still looking? Think, what, what are you looking up?
1: Uh, uh, Morning Cup of Murder, the world's first Syria killer. I think that's a podcast. It says October 26. Giles oh, DeRay killed people.
0: Killed people. All right. Anyways, well, that's a I'm going to get out of
1: that rabbit hole before I sing further. So... It- <laughs> Uh, back to the topic at hand, Sweeney Todd. As you can tell, this is going to go great today. Okay. So Sweeney Todd, possibly born October 26, 1756, abusive father.
0: 1756.
1: Sure. What you said. <laughs> um, so the author of this person even cites interviews from the true Sweeney Todd from when he got captured. Um, in one interview, he is quoted as saying, Hello, Governor. My mother used to make quite a pet of me. I was fondled and kissed and called a pretty boy. I used to wish I was strong enough to throttle her. What the devil did she bring me into this world for, unless she had plenty of money to give me so that I might enjoy myself in it? Delightful. He needed to hook up with that lady who's trying to teach children to sue their parents for being born. Yeah. What the devil? Anyways, this article goes on to say that Todd was inspired by the Tower of London Museum, where he spent most of his time escaping his home looking at the torture stuff. so oh, I don't really know the history of London um so I googled, and the Tower of London was built in the ten thousands, and sorry, the one thousands were not to the ten thousands yet, okay, star date ten thousand was- yeah right. <laughs> Um, in the 1000s and was a residence for royalty until the 1700s. It was a prison where many royals and uh, like all of King Henry VIII's unfortunate wives were kept there along with Elizabeth I prior to being executed. Public executions. I want to see the musical. Um, is it called Six? The Six?
0: Yeah, it's called Six. I don't um, see my that. My friends just saw okay. in the Colorado. The costumes are incredible. Yeah, it looked amazing.
1: But anyways. Um, also, also, there was a TV show that had I think it was called King Henry maybe, um, or Henry the Eighth, or something like that, um, and it had that really hot coach from Bandit Like Beckham as King Henry.
0: I think uh, that's the Tudors.
1: The Tudors, yeah. And then the girl who plays the uh, uh, the Bolin girl. Um, she is the queen that married the late the girl that marries Joffrey. After Sansa, um, after like the whole Sansa thing, that ends up getting blown up in a church or whatever. She's gorgeous. Right. Anyways, a whole lot of hot people on that show. That was the moral of that story. Um, So, public executions were held on site for centuries, with the final one occurring on the 15th of August, 1941. Not too long ago, if you ask me. Starring Joseph Jacobs, who was executed by firing squad at the tower, having been found guilty of spying for Germany during the Second World War.
0: Be like, to watch a fucking firing squad and be witness to that. I would, that's... mm.
1: It was a really dark time for the world, so it was kind of just like walking through the streets to the market that day. <laughs> After the war, they were so, like, eh, what What else can you do, you know? Um, but yeah, so what I'm trying to say is that I'm not sure it was an actual, like, museum with displays during that time, although I could be wrong. Um, So I do not doubt, however, that people of all ages did go to the tower because they did display the instruments of torture they used as kind of like a fear factor to keep people from doing bad things. Um, So this article, or this book, or whatever the hell this person wrote, states that Todd's parents disappeared in 1768 when he was 12 years old.
0: Started murdering at a young age apparently. It was assumed
1: that they froze to death on the streets looking for booze. Um, Mm. But I think if he hated his parents so much and was contemplating murder and torture his whole life, it wouldn't be a stretch like you just assumed to assume that he murdered his own parents or had some sort of hand in it. Dun, dun, dun! Todd was able to find himself a job as an apprentice for a cutler named John Crook of Holborn. A cutler is someone who makes and sharpens blades and things, and this one specialized in guess. Um straight razors. Yes. Axes. <laughs> All the same thing. Yeah, pretty much.
0: I'm just trying to like picture someone like the big old thick axe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen it in a movie. I feel like I've seen somebody that, a, like a hatchet or something. That somebody, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Something, something, like that. It I probably, know I've seen it. Probably wasn't as
1: a close of a shave, but it's not undoable. No. In 1778, age 14, Todd was arrested and imprisoned for theft, where he got an apprenticeship for the prison barber named Plummer, who was in charge of providing a clean shave to those about to be hung so he was a plumber who cleaned i mean it works and also they were like listen we want you to look your best while we hang you in front of your family friends neighbors and the rest of france or london wherever the hell we are right now uh so todd go ahead i was gonna say it has to look good right yeah you don't want the like rope to chafe you know exactly gets itchy those beards so Todd managed to survive his five years in the clink and became a street corner barber on the main streets of London at the age of 19. He eventually was able to open a shop on the corner of Hyde Park, where he employed, with benefits, his own, oh, I'm sorry, I wrote that really funky. He employed a young woman that he called his wife, um, but she was like an employee with benefits,
0: if you get what I'm saying. There you are I lost you for a second. Oh. I hear. Can you hear
1: me? Yeah, you're like uh screen is it's not like awful, but it's not super clear, so I think your internet's probably being a little questionable. But I'm going to keep going. Okay.
0: So. Cuz you keep going. I'm going to Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're not like cutting out at all, so you're probably fine. Um, but yeah, so They never actually got married, but unfortunately he did not learn from his father and he did beat her. So enter the London Chronicle article. This is a real article. You can find it, there's proof of it. It's a thing, it's circulating, blah, 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 blah. So this article states that in 1784, a young gentleman by chance coming, this is a quote, by chance coming into the shop to be shaved and dressed and being in liquor, He wasn't just drinking liquor, he was in the liquor. That's when you know you've got a problem.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, Mentioned having seen a fine girl in Hamilton Street from whom he had had certain favors the night before. Wink, wink. That's subtext I'm reading between the lines. Uh, The barber concluded this to be his wife and in the height of his frenzy cut the young gentleman's throat from ear to ear and absconded. So he did, like, a Glasgow smile kind of a thing to him, I guess. Elsie Grant Claiming that he had slept with his wife. I guess this article did not name names for the barber, uh, but this Todd that this person is saying did interviews later um, claims to have admitted that that was their, their first one. He said, quote, my first in was a young gent. It I just went real southern. That was not British <laughs> at all. Know, it really I can't. <laughs> Let me. Hello, governor. Bloody hell. My first in was a young gent at Hyde Park Corner. Slid him from here to here, I did. <laughs> Nailed it. I should have watched Harry Potter before we did this. So I could really get it in my head.
0: I just start having to. Honestly, like, I. I sing so many of these songs, and then it puts me in, like, a mood of keeping that accent. It actually helps for, like, D&D and stuff. I'm not even gonna lie. Connor's... So... Let's see. Where where was that quote? Um, I'm gonna try and do it for you. there. Uh, okay. My first... In- oh, that see, went real sudden. It's really
1: hard, because the way it's written. <laughs> it's
0: really hard. Yeah, okay, okay. So. My first and one... Oh, uh that that's okay hang on gotta my person it's 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 just the way it's written as the beginning
1: yeah it's the un part that makes it southern
0: <laughs> it Was young gent in Hyde Park oh god nope I give up <laughs> if
1: you just put one then it's easy but that's okay okay so todd eventually moved to a barbershop on fleet street possibly located at number 186 fleet street beside saint dunstan's church a direct line to bell yard on the other side of the church uh where there was a pie shop located the two points linked by underground passageways and it was here that the sweeney todd story we have heard Began. Todd offered his services as both barber and minor surgeon, which may have been common for the time, apparently. According to PBS, uh, it was common for barbers to perform dental extractions, bloodletting, and sometimes even amputations. Uh, this practice dates back to 1215 and is cited in places as being the purpose behind the red and white spiral thing seen outside barbershops today because it denotes that like you could do minor surgeries there. So fun fact, the daily current newspaper of April 14 1785 reported the murder of a young gentleman who had fallen into conversation with a man dressed as a barber. This is believed to have been his second known victim. The two men came to an argument and of a sudden, and all of a sudden the barber took from his clothing a razor and slit the throat of the young man thereafter disappearing and was seen no more. That was a quote. Todd went on to kill four more victims outside of his shop, including an apprentice, a pawnbroker, a share dealer, and a petty crook. Then Todd created his infamous chair, as seen in the film, the plays, blah, 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 um, which this article says may have been inspired by the wax museums on Fleet Street, which had characters that would, like, jump out and spook people. So I googled, and the first official wax museum was opened in London in 1835 by Madame Marie Tussaud. That's a 50-year difference between his first murder on Fleet Street and the first recorded wax museum. Uh, that would also make Todd 79 years old, so I kind of doubt that the wax museum was his inspiration for his mechanical chair.
0: Yeah, that, that, the timing does not add.
1: So, you know, this, like, Daily Mail thing was rife with inconsistencies, um, but the, like I said, those two articles, the Daily Post, not the Daily Post, the uh, current one, whatever, those are real articles that people kind of attribute to, like, leading into this Todd thing. Um. Anyways, okay. Do-do-do-do. Do, 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 I lost my place. After a few mishaps with the survivor and not wanting to deal with all the cleanup, Todd decided to enlist a local widow, Miss Lovett. Mm. The two went into cahoots and started a murder spree filled with an abusive relationship. He was not a nice man. He killed the people and dumped them into the tunnels, and she moved the meat through the tunnels into her bakery and sold them as pies yummy and of course the rotting remains smelled awful and led to their downfall just like in the movie the reports caught the suspicion of Sir Richard Blunt, the police magistrate at the time who had Todd's shop watched and he even got shapes there but never alone of course because he was like listen I need to be clean you're the only one but I'm bringing a buddy idea yeah Travel in pairs. Eventually he searched the tunnels and found all the rotting remains in the tunnel to the bakery. They also searched Todd's place and found all the souvenirs he'd stolen from victims. Listen, if you're gonna murder someone, don't keep anything. That is rule number one. (laughs) Souvenirs are not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Souvenirs. Actually, rule number one is like don't do it in front of people, but rule number two is don't keep shit. Uh yeah so the pair were arrested and Mrs. Lovett killed herself by ingesting poison she bought off a guard in prison oh Todd was charged at the Old Bailey with a single murder um, which was that of Francis Thornhill the attorney general for the prosecution described how Thornhill had been commissioned to take a string of pearls worth I think this is they do quid their rights quid like sixty thousand quid maybe might be what that means or pounds a euro no that's Euros. not a euro that's not the sign for euro. you're right That's euro. You're it's right. either quid uh, or pounds i don't know i think it's quid i'm just we're just this whole thing is just going to be um an assault on londoners because we yes. don't know anything and we keep
0: doing their accent i'm sorry please don't get mad at us I believe it's a quid. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I search it, and that's the the, the symbol that keeps popping up. So I believe it's 16,000 quid. Cool. Um,
1: mm. Anyway, so this Thornhill guy was taking a string of pearls. Not the pornographic kind, so get that out of your mind. Put what? it in the gutters.
0: Wasn't even there until you mentioned it, you? <laughs> My God. It wasn't for you. It was
1: for our nasty listeners, okay? Um, But on the way to deliver them, he went into Todd's shop to be shaved and was never seen again. So Todd later pawned this string of pearls for 1,000 quid. He got jacked.
0: Yeah, it's a bummer.
1: Thornhill's case inspired the story, The String of Pearls, a serial story published in a weekly magazine in 1846, which we will get into next. Uh, Todd was found guilty after only five minutes of the jury deliberation, and he was executed in 1802. So at the very end of this specific article, it has a statement that says adapted from the book Sweeney Todd, the true story of the demon, Barbara of Fleet Street, the real story of the demon, Barbara of Fleet Street, published in 2007 and authored by Peter Haining. That whole fucking thing was the title. It was a whole lot of stuff. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, so this Daily Mail article was just a summary of the book. The reviews for the book say, yeah, claims to be based in truth, but it's 100% not truth. <laughs> the author claims that Todd killed 160 victims. I don't know how he would know. He doesn't... Oh, some of the reviews say he doesn't cite any of his, like, sources. Um, He just claims, like, oh, this said this, and he said this, and this did that. Um. So that's just, like, I'm just counting it as, like, lore. Um. Like I said, I know the article of the murderer at Hyde Park, the barber murder at Hyde Park, is true. Um, the French lore is like a long-standing one. Um, so those two things are like, can be found. Everything else about the actual Sweeney Todd existing, not. So, moving on. Another historical inspiration may have been the 1818 libel suit filed against James Catnatch. Which is an unfortunate last name. Cat, catnatch. He needs an S, cat snatch. Or cat snatch, cat, cat snatch, cat snatch. Anyways, so George P. Lando, professor of English and the history of art Brown University, wrote an article citing a book entitled Catnatchery Chapbooks and Children's Books which states that James Catnatch was a publisher from Seven Dials, which apparently is some sort of location or like neighborhood or something in London, England, Britain, whatever they're calling it these days, Uh, that specialized in the production of broadsheets and song sheets, costing a penny or less for sale by street vendors, with a specialty in the last dying confessions of murders and their sensations. He also made children's rhymes so you know like the london bridge is falling down it's fucked up all of those they're <laughs> very dark the rosy.
0: yeah dude that one's so fucked up
1: there are sources that say the first written tale of sweeney todd comes from the ballads that catnatch published in 1823 when james Weir was murdered at Elstree, the Catnatch full, true, and particular account had to be set up in eight forms on four different presses and working day and night for a week made 250,000 copies that were pulled off and sold Other excellent lines were the births, marriages, and deaths of royalty divorce cases known as Crancon Um and seamy life story CD life stories of whorehouse keepers thieves and villains of all kinds there were also regular lines of course ballads fairy stories and pious exhortations so it's kind of like tabloids um but like mm-hmm. all the raunchy nastiness of tabloids so weir was murdered by john thurtell after a weekend of gambling together Thurtell owed Weir a lot of money by the end, and knowing he would never be able to pay him, decided to kill him instead. And like even you know, he was like, I declare bankruptcy, I'm just gonna murder you, so I don't have to pay anything. Um, he shot him in the face, but Weir still survived, and while attempting to escape, Thurtell caught him and slit his throat. A necklace of pearls, like the blood dripping down if you're mm-hmm. not picking that up. Um, uh, yeah, so that is where that came from. Uh, but then he proceeded to bash his head in with the pistol because he was like, he's not dead. Thurtell and his accomplices were all arrested. I think two guys helped him or something like that. Yes, and all three murderers were indicted. Thurtell was hanged January 9th, 1824. Hunt, his uh, accomplice transported to Botany Bay and later gained his freedom and became a respectable police constable in Australia. Oh. Yeah. Cuz you know everyone just shipped their their criminals to Australia and they started a nice little police down there.
0: Um the this third person's name is hilarious. <laughs>
1: the third accomplice. Uh, Probert or Probert, I'm not sure. <laughs> I
0: would I would call it I would say Probert, but that's just me. I think we should just call him pubert Pubert. <laughs> he was and, given yeah a deal to
1: testify against the others um and had to resort to crime to support himself after he became a social outcast because everyone was like not only are you a murderer murderer but you're a tattletale so you know
0: just get stitches
1: exactly um and he was hanged a year later at newgate for stealing horse from a relative oh okay um, so, anyways, that happened. That's a real thing that happened. And Catnatch, the guy who, like, makes these tabloid things, made his money off of sharing this story that was, like, super sensationalized. And he would, much like tabloids, share stories whether they were true or not. And the tabloid of the 1800s uh, is this. This is what that was. So, one such story he sold was about a butcher who was found to be selling cannibal pies? He went so far as to name the butcher Thomas Pizzy Pizzy Pize Pize Oh, I am so sorry. Everyone just heard that. Um, a pop up just came up and made a really loud noise. But anyways, uh, I would say I would say Pizzy, but Pizzy. He's a Pizzy and a Tizzy. So PBS says that Thomas lost business because of this and filed a libel suit in return. And James was found guilty. uh, James Catnatch was found guilty and Mm -hmm. spent a few months in jail. Lastly, there's a story about a Scottish barber named Alexander Sonny Bean, born in 1530. He and his wife are said to have ran away to a local cave where they had children who had children together. And the inbredness of it all led to them attacking, killing, and eating people who came near the cave. So kind of like the hills have eyes, (laughs) but without the nuclear testing. Right. Um, A man did escape and survive this attack, apparently, and reported them to the king, leading to the family's execution. BBC has also done stories to refute this story, so they were like, this isn't true, this didn't happen. Um, their strongest argument being that it is a word-of-mouth legend and has no factual evidence. That'll do it. Um, also, the story was being spread during a time when England had a strong anti-Scottish vibe going, so it was like propaganda against the Scottish. Um, yeah. Don't worry, there's more. So, (laughs) um, those are just, like, places that could have started, right? Uh, So, published writing that shared similar stories included the Telltale magazine, which recounted a similarly ghoulish fable as if it were fact. So, they would, like, tell these made-up stories, but, like, report them as fact, which is where people got really confused. Right. Um, And as we know, nowadays, people will believe anything. So... Yeah, apparently the internet doesn't lie, right? Nope. Uh,
0: yeah, so. As we a... get all of these facts from the internet. <laughs> oh,
1: yes. But I am better than everybody else, so it's okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the trick lies in deciding what is real and what is not. And I've decided nothing in life is real. It's all just a simulation. Yes. Okay. So, um, a terrific story of the Rue de la Harpe, Paris published 1825 and written by prolific hack is how they described him. Thomas Pickett pressed was lifted in turn from a grim volume of a true crime, uh, thing, uh, sorry, a true crime story, uh, archives, archives of the police, police archives. Released in 1816 by Joseph Fauci, maybe? Probably Foch. There you go. Uh, who was the former minister of police under the French emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. Everyone should recognize that name. Yes. An online article by History Answers, sorry, by History Answers, that's all one website, summarized mm-hmm. these stories. So the tale was set less than a decade after the French Revolution when life was cheap, food supply was questionable, and the rule of law negligible because they were recovering from, you know, the revolution and all that jazz. Um, So it concerned a barber who plied his trade on the long and dismal Rue de la Harpe and a baker who ran the pie shop next door. The barber murdered his patrons, taking the bodies down to the basement where the wall had been knocked out linking the pie shop to the barbershop. And thus they began cooking people into pies. So the duo were tried and found guilty in 1801 and in a punishment seen to fit their crime, they were spared Madame Guillotine and torn to pieces on the rack instead. We have a Patreon now. We have a few different tiers with fun offerings starting at $3. All tiers get access to the exclusive content, which includes our American Horror Story Coven series, horror shorts and trailer reactions, ad-free episodes, and all the video recorded episodes starting with Hocus Pocus because we were late to the video recording game. The top tier offers a discount to our merchandise found on Etsy at the store open past midnight, free Horror Cats Witch Hats mug, and priority invitation to any watch parties or one-shots we plan in the future. It promises to be a a wicked good time with content coming out weekly. Uh, Again, it's www.patreon.com slash witchhats 13 You know, guillotine, quick, the rack, not so quick. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The story was reported in Britain as well as France because it fit the increasingly hostile narrative that sought to portray the new French Republic as, like, dangerous and barbaric. Um, cannibalism has always been a go-to for propaganda whenever a civilized nation wants to undermine another one by calling them savage or barbaric, um colonies did it for indigenous persons we've done it for or like um they did it when they were discovering you know mexico and south america and all that jazz they were like savages cannibals and civilized
0: so Yeah. yeah so that's all of the detail that izzy went searching for For all of us to discover, because I didn't know half of that, I'll tell you that. I love Sweetie Todd. I've never gone into that much detail before.
1: (laughs) I thought it was literally just the musical, like the Broadway musical, and then it was like, oh, Oh, but that's based on a play, and then it was like, oh, but that's based on this, and then it just kept going and funneling further
0: and further down. And and as you can tell, Izzy's really good at just falling down the rabbit hole really quickly.
1: I know, that's part of the reason some of our episodes come out late, because I'm like, listen, I fell into a rabbit hole for eight hours,
0: and now I never want to look at this again, (laughs) so so basically what the real known basis of the story as we know it for Sweeney Todd is from the writings of Thomas press and from James Malcolm Reimer, which was first published in the people's periodical penny dreadful of 1846. I have a, uh, I'm holding up a book. It's a beautiful book. Um, it's a penny dreadful collection that was uh, compiled by Stefan. Oh, this is, this is a name. Uh, Z-mon-ow-ics. I think it's Zemanowicz, but it starts with a D, you know, because whatever. But The String of Pearls is the very last story in it. I don't even see that. Uh, but it says, The String of Pearls, or Sweeney Todd, the Demon of Barber of Fleet Street. Excuse me. <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah. So Penny Dreadful, if you don't know what that was, uh, is what they called cheap little pamphlets with series of stories like Sweeney Todd um, that featured gore horror themes and we're roughly about eight pages long. Now the story that I have is not eight pages long; it's a hundred and something pages long, or two hundred. It's roughly about two hundred pages long uh, for the Sweeney Todd piece that I have. Read the next uh. line. Oh, the String of Pearls was seven hundred thirty-two pages. There we go. It was a. Uh, it was cut into eighteen parts. Uh, so there had a lot of there was a different ones. It's some kind of, of like... the other. It's kind of like how they do comic books. So, like comic books are yeah.
1: s- s- annoyingly fucking short. Um. Yeah. But they like span a bunch
0: this one story will span a whole bunch of pages. So. Some other uh stories that are included in *Dreddy* in uh Penny Dreadful or like Edgar Allan Poe's The, Pit, the Pendulum. Did they <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know. Penny Dreadful. It's dyslexia is a thing, guys. That's like my common go-to thing. But there's a lot of stories in what I have in this little thing. It's really cool. I think uh, Sweeney Todd's the longest one that's in there though. I didn't know the Pit and the Pendulum was a Penny Dreadful. Or did they just include it in that and call it a Penny Dreadful? just included it and called it a Penny Dreadful, but um, that's just what's compiled in... Gotcha. That specific book. Okay. In this Yeah. The Sensational Tales of Terror Penny Dreadfuls. Um... This story was obviously called *The String of Pearls*, a romance, and it came out in eighteen parts. Like I said, it was published as a full book in eighteen fifty, which spanned seven hundred and thirty-two pages. It's it's quite the long, uh, long story, but it's pretty cool. A website called Caitlin Duffy summarizes. That's awesome, spelled just like my name. Go Caitlins! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> *The String of Pearls* uh, quite nicely. Oh, summarizes the. Oh, it summarizes it quite nice, nicely. Sorry, I I misread that for a second, got confused. Um, but this it will be some show notes as we go through and um, take all of her work. Show notes, as in like next episode, right? No. So the show notes are um,
1: when you look at our episode, there's like a description. That's what I call the show so the notes. Comments. Yeah. Got, it, got it got it and in those if you don't know in that description i always put the links to where i find all of my information from um if we reference any specific articles youtube like we videos have- stuff like that yeah, yeah you okay. can find all of that at the bottom of that like description um
0: yeah what do they call it the the caption right that's the cap that they call it the caption or whatever I don't whatever good, no. anyways we're going to put it in there so you can see everything and, and know where all of this is coming from. So, The String of Pearls, it takes place in 1785. Uh, police persons, Lieutenant Thornhill gets a shave on his way to tell Joanna that her lover is lost at sea. Uh, he was supposed to deliver a necklace of pearls to her that her seaman had left for her in case of his ultimate demise. You know, like in we... In uh,
1: case you missed it, the seaman left a necklace of pearls.
0: <laughs> so, so we're all, all right. on Thank you. the same page needed that so needed that summarizing uh that's what i'm good at so thornhill's dog alerts the uh the colonel friend and he along with joanna investigate his missingness and joanna dresses up as a boy and appear uh and as an apprentice for todd's for sweeney todd so it's a little bit different than the 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 movie but todd has another apprentice at the time named tobias rag and he figures out that in his murderous ways, uh, so Todd has him placed in Mister Fogg's asylum and pays him to make sure the boy dies in his sleep. Dark. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, he could go uh, worse ways, I guess. Yeah. So during this time, Missus Lovett is making the pies that uh, are from Mister Todd's victims, and it turns out this is a highly convoluted story. I almost just knocked over my water. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh. So it was a, it was a highly convoluted story with like a lot of changing identity and mystery, kind of slightly like Midsummer Night Dream, Midsummer's Night Dream, um, with like the plot twist. So Caitlin Duffy does a, I just love that her name's Caitlin. We're just so cool. Caitlin Duffy does a great job talking, uh, through all the themes and the historical relevances, which relevance, which is really cool. Um, but we're not going to steal her ideas. They're just really smart. So go read it. Cause it's actually a pretty good uh, explanation of everything. Um, but PBS says that Sweeney Todd became a play almost immediately after with George. I think it's dubbed in pit, right? Dubbed dibbed in, That's, sounds in that pit. That's terrible. He was <laughs> dipped <laughs> in a pit. He's dipped in pit. He was, he was. uh, so PBS writes, uh, or PBS uh, writes, was a hack playwright of the of the time who stole another person's ideas. Sorry, that's just written really weird, really oddly
1: to me. There's probably some words missing, because this was at the end of my eight-hour whole Yeah. Google hole. I okay.
0: fell into the pits yeah. of Google. So, uh... George rewrit it, rewrote it as the String of Pearls, the fiend, the fiend of uh, Fleet Street, and advertised it as founded on fact. As we know, not exactly true. <laughs> I mean, there's the a play lot was... of movies even nowadays that are like, based on a true based story. Based on a true story. But It'd then you Google jinx... the story and it's like, yeah, not at all. The Strangers, aka one of them. Um, so the play was set in the reign of George II, which was the late 18th century. And it deb- debuted on March first, eighteen forty-seven, at the Hawkson Theatre in London, which was the se- uh, which was a theater specialized in sensational melodramas. Um, ever since, speculation has ranged about whether the Demon Barber was real or not, which we just talked just... about. Yeah. Uh, I... The next time it.
1: Oh, sorry. I'm just gonna say I think it's pretty safe to say that. I feel confident in saying that there was never an actual barber that slaughtered people and gave them to his pie-making friend who cooked them into pies. I feel like that never actually happened. Something in my soul of souls tells me, nah, dude, it didn't happen.
0: Fair. Understandable. I don't know. I like to think that it did, but at the same time like it's super fucked up to make a bunch of people can- like cannibals without them knowing. So, but I'm just saying I- we know a baker.
1: I can cut hair if I have to. It won't be pretty, but I can do it. So,
0: I mean at that point are you really cutting the hair if you're just sitting the throat? So, I'm going to get into it. it
1: in the movie, but he spends so much time actually shaving them before he just murders them. I'm like, "Why are you shaving? Like how much time are you <laughs> wasting?" like to appreciate his work <laughs> people don't want little stubby hairs in their pie
0: <laughs> exactly um, so the next time that this work would be reimagined was in 19, uh, 1936 it was a silent film directed by George King titled The Demon Barber of Fleet Street uh, it starred Todd Slaughter which is a what perfect name a name. and he was basically like the Vincent Price of that time so it's very fitting incredibly fitting yeah. Um, and if you don't know what that means, it means that he was the ideal villain of any film, and he was just damn good at being eerie and creepy. Yeah, that was his niche. Yeah, uh, it was followed in 1959. The Royal Ballet Company produced a ballet version with music by Malcolm Arnold and choreography by John Cranko. I uh, so that would be, I would I want to that would be a cool play to see. I would love to see
1: it because I feel like they. I love ballets and I like when they take stories yeah. like this and turn it into a ballet. Um, they also have like a Dracula one that's probably really good. There's, um, they do it like with like a lot of got, dark shit. Gotta I gotta really see Sleeping see
0: Beauty. I gotta see Sleeping Beauty as a ballet and that was cool. The Maleficent costume was beautiful. Um,
1: if you live in Utah and you can afford it, um, the Utah Ballet West, ballet West is mm-hmm. phenomenal um
0: yeah they, they did do dracula this year actually uh they did we do a lot of advertisement for them uh and they're going to be doing sweet uh uh not sweet child, um swan lake here coming up in february they do really good stuff one of my yeah.
1: birthdays when i was younger um i asked for all i wanted was season tickets to the ballet because it came with i think you could pick like five shows to go to throughout the season or something um and it was probably my favorite one. I, I love the ballet. But anyways, it's you probably have, super you cool. We were
0: always theater kids. We were always like theater kids without being in
1: theater. <laughs> I was not brave enough to be in theater, for sure. But I
0: can appreciate a good show. I love musicals. I love yeah. ballets. I yeah. my, my aunt has season tickets to Eccles Theater here in Salt Lake. And so I get invited to a lot of plays. And it makes me really excited. So like I've seen Sweeney Todd live. I've seen Wicked a couple of different times. I've gotten to see a lot of really cool plays that I never would have imagined being able to see. So, Um, It's worth it to see things live, if you can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, So after the ballet that was produced by it, it brings us to Sweetie Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, as a uh, reimagined by Christoph Bond. Christoph. By christopher bond in 1973. it's not completely off some people i'm sure some people called him christoph right yeah uh this this is the first version where Sweetie todd was given the revenge plot uh prior to this he was just a murderous barber with no self-control and wanted to steal everyone's shit um uh, so this one kind of gives him a little bit more of a backstory and understanding Uh, It would serve as the precursor to the musical featuring music by composer and lyricist Stephen uh, Sondheim, I believe? mm -hmm. Sondheim, In collaboration with uh, Hugh Wheeler. The musical first premiered in March 1st, 1979, and Angela Lansbury played Mrs. Lovett in it. And there are video recordings of this, and Angela Lansbury was fucking beautiful. She embodied Mrs. Lovett so beautifully, so wonderfully, and I, oh, it was. It's if you can if you can find where to like watch that actual play with Angela Angela Lansbury. I know it's out there. It's great. Um, sadly, she did die in 2022. Uh, she was the star. She starred in Murder. She wrote, and she was the voice of Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, she was in an earlier version of Death on the Nile and uh, a million other notable shows. She was a huge deal. You know the name Angela Lansbury, whether you actually know it or not. I If you it, see her face, you know. Exactly. I didn't recognize her until I pulled up a picture, and then I was like, oh,
1: yeah. Um, um, I just wanted to point out uh, Stephen Sondheim is a big composer, right, for, like, musicals mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, the other... Th- one that people would recognize that he's known for besides Sweeney Todd is West Side
0: Story. So, um but the musical did earn eight Tony Awards. So that's pretty impressive. Wow. Wow. Oh, that was better. Yeah. <laughs> I do the Wally thing every so often. I like the Mo one. Whoa, 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 Mo. <laughs> I actually named my Roomba Mo. My dad named his Wally. And then he's like, he's like, What'd you name yours? And I was like, Mo, the cleaning robot on Wally. And he's like, damn it, that's a better idea than mine. We named ours Ethel. <laughs> that's awesome. I like old lady names. Um, I just think of Lucy Lucy. Lucy and Ethel. <laughs> and I love Lucy. Beautiful duo.
1: Oh, I should name something um, Lucy then. Maybe Lucy and Ethel. Yeah. I wanna get a mop. i want to get the mopping one and I'll name it Lucy. Perfect.
0: Perfect match. Match made in heaven. But anyways, so that's
1: all the history for where this film found its footing and inspiration and everything from. Yes. So now we're into the movie. And we have been... Let me just check the time before we keep going. And it's not showing the time of our recording for some reason. I think we're... Um, Yeah, usually it shows it at the bottom, but it's not showing for some reason. Oh, there it goes. Uh, We're at 58 minutes, so I'm okay to keep going if you are. Fine. Cool. I just wanted to check. Um, But yeah, so talking about the movie. It released in 2007, as I said, directed by Tim Burton, who apparently is like really big in Europe, I learned. Um, Awesome. There are a bunch of... What's the word? I'm going to have to look
0: at my notes, because now I can't remember. Well, while you're doing that, uh, the first time I ever got to see this because I was super excited, but I was too young to see it in theaters uh, because it was rated R at the time. Uh, my brother's girlfriend at the time uh, went to Peru, and she brought back a pirated copy. And uh, we got to watch it, and it became my favoriteest movie ever and the day it released i went i made my mom drive me to smith so i could buy it bought it with my own money went home and watched it like 10 times in a row i'm not kidding like it's it's been my favorite movie for since the day it came out and the first time i saw it and uh like to this day i'm still not sick of it i consistently sing it all the time my husband does not like it and i don't give a shit about it it's (laughs) definitely
1: done in this style that has become associated with tim burton it's Burtonesque, i think is what they say oh yeah that would make sense um but in europe there have been a lot of like museum shows expositions of tim burton's work and there's one currently going on in italy and then it moves to prague which is only three hours from where i currently live so i'm gonna go to it um but it features like all of his Drawings and sketch work from creating and concept ideas for all of the shows and movies and shorts that he's done. Um, but yeah, super cool. But, uh, yeah.
0: So even though he's like really um, cool,
1: there are some people who do have an issue with him. Um, there's a YouTube, YouTuber whose video I came across. I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but... I will link it in our show notes because I think it's important to have, you know, both sides of the story. Um, One of the things I think that he gets criticized for is a lack of people of color in his films. Um, But yeah, go check that out if you want to. It talks about like his original work and then kind of like how his how he's changed over the past few years. I don't agree with everything she says, but like I said, it's not I know. Form your own opinions. Check it out. I am a Tim Burton fan of his works. Personally, I don't know anything about him as a person. So.
0: That's fair. Um, A lot of people, well, I will say. So (laughs) my favorite is everybody's like, him and Tim Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter got a divorce. It's my favorite one. I don't know why I keep, why I love this. But they were never married, just so everybody knows. They were never married. They she, just had kids together. She herself in interviews have called it a
1: divorce because they were together for so long. And just because legally she didn't get divorced doesn't mean they weren't like split up. Um, but yes, they were not legally married. Um, but she did wear black. as like a mourning of the death of their relationship. But it's neat that they were together. I think that's just really cool.
0: They, I thought they were beautiful together. They were together for and like i was 14 years
1: or something crazy like that. Yeah,
0: they time. were together for a very very long time. Um, i can't find it right now, but there is a really cool book that my friend has that i really actually want and it's like an in-depth like behind the scenes of Tim Burton's creation of uh Sweeney Todd and it has like his like drawings of how he imagined it to look for a minute. And i love Tim Burton's artwork. I and think... so, uh one of the unique things about
1: Tim Burton is that he was an artist before he became a director. And, like, directing is an art, but he was, like, a visual drawing creator artist. Um, and he brings that into his direction, which is really cool. Yeah. And he has um, a unique
0: style, and you can tell when it's Tim Burton. So Right. So, um, <laughs> like we were saying... Uh, if you don't know Tim Burton, you you know Tim Burton. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you I'm gonna don't tell know you right we're now. telling you right now, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen at least one of his movies because he's done things like Pee Wee Herman's Grand, uh, Big Adventure, which uh, he then did Beetlejuice, Batman, Batman Returns, which are my Batmans. They're why. so fucking dark. They're, They're good. Just so fun. They're incredibly dark. They're really fun. Uh, but those uh, are and the... those are the. Go ahead. I was going to say, those are the Michael Keaton Batmans, which he is my Batman, 100%. Um, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. No. Jack Nicholson is... He's the Joker. Jack Nicholson is Two-Face. Two-Face. No. Jack Nicholson is the Joker in Batman. Okay. I'm going to go with what you say. Um... Oh, I'm. You're right. You're. You are totally right. I am thinking of Tommy Lee Jones, who's Two Face. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Uh, Nick Jack Nicholson is the Joker, obviously. He died. Okay. Yeah. Danny DeVito is the Penguin. Michelle Pfeiffer uh, is Catwoman. Um, he's also been listed as the producer for Batman Forever with Val Kilmer, um, which is Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face and Jim Carrey as the Riddler, which uh, they will never work together anymore because. Tommy Lee Jones cannot handle Jim Carrey. Fun fact. <laughs> There's a lot of people who have a hard time working with his energy
1: level, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's also done other things like Edward Scissorhands. Again, he does a lot of stuff with with uh, Johnny Depp. It's great. Um, Mars Attacks, Slee- uh, Sleepy Hollow, another one with Johnny Depp. The 2001 Planet of the Apes, which I fucking love. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Ah, uh, Big Fish, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that was made with uh, again Johnny Depp, Dark Shadows, Johnny Depp, Alice in Wonderland, Johnny Depp, <laughs> and Wednesday the t- the TV series that is currently on Netflix, which is really really good.
1: Um, Johnny Depp is the voice for the Corpse Bride too, right?
0: Yes, he is Victor. With this ring. I love those vows. I think they're so cute. I love that movie. Um, I was, I was going to do those vows for my wedding but Andy doesn't love that movie as much as I do and also my friends did that for their wedding and I was like I'm not going to fucking copy you guys
1: Alright <laughs> divorce him and you and I will do a version of that one and another good movie that I will think of
0: uh, He is also the creator and producer of The Nightmare Before Christmas He produced James and the Giant Peach which is one of my favorite movies in the world uh, he did Nine, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer, or Vampire Hunter, and Big Eyes. Uh, um, you know his work. Whether you know his work or not, you know his work. Honestly, <laughs> I
1: didn't know he did a lot of those movies. I didn't know he was he worked on them. Um, Probably did. Honestly, I think the Wednesday TV series is the least Burton-esque of them all. Like When you watch it, I don't immediately go, that's a Tim Burton film. Um, that's fair it just doesn't have that like crazy artistic style that he has uh in a lot of places but it's it's like i'm not saying it's bad by any means it's just it's not his typical for me uh, not but, what you normally see yeah uh but his career started uh, when he was working as an animator for disney of all things and as you can imagine, this did not suit his aesthetic very well. And it, it said that he was fired after creating Frankenweenie. It was a live-action Frankenweenie, not the cartoon one that came out later. Um, but it was deemed too dark for the Disney audience. Um, I can only imagine why. <laughs> I love the the animated one, the claymation. I
0: do, too. It's His claymation is so well done. He
1: is... In some circles, I don't know if it's universal, but he's considered like bringing, bringing back claymation into like the what we know of it now. Um, he's the one who like made it big again. Um, I thought he directed the, the uh,
0: Nightmare Before Christmas, but it, he just. That's because it says Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, and they kind of screwed over the director. There's, like, a whole issue about this, and the director was pissed about it.
1: Well, he wrote the uh,
0: story. Yeah. Um,
1: Which is why it says that. But I I thought he had directed it, and he didn't. But he yeah, did, a lot of people think that. He did produce it. I'm sure he did a lot of the claymation part. Like, there's no way oh. he was hands off.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Um,
1: but, yeah. So yeah, he's just like a dark Dr. Seuss because his work often features um like the idea of otherness. It's people who don't fit in. Um Mm -hmm. they're in small societies, there's lots of subdued coloring, it's very morbid storylines, it's all about the macabre. Um, it's got that unique Dr. Seuss type artistry.
0: Uh that's really dark dark, Doctor Seuss pretty much. Yeah. Um, and like I was saying before, and like many other directors we've talked about before, uh, he tends to use the same cast for a lot of his films, um, which, again, we all love seeing. Well, I love seeing. but Yeah, some people, awesome. like, really dog on him for that, but I actually really... I think it's great.
1: I think it's fun. I, yeah. I like it. What I show so, is their range, because none of those parts are the same. Like Johnny, No. Oh, yeah, no. Johnny I, Depp From Ichabod Crane to, like, Dark Shadows to Sweeney Todd, they're not... They don't have the
0: same feel, so it's neat. Obviously, Johnny Depp is in there, but Helena Bonham Carter, he also used Alan Rickman a lot, who was the judge in Sweeney Todd. Um, rest in peace, you beautiful human. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, they they, all have parts in, continuously throughout his movies, so it's really cool. I like seeing that. Um, plus,
1: like I, we say every single time, that tells you that, like, those actors are genuinely probably good to work with. Yeah. So, Um, But his first works, like that he did with Disney, are shorts that we will do a Patreon-exclusive reaction to, um, but I will list them still. There is Stock of the Celery Monster, Island of Dr. Agor, king of octopus and one called vincent which i think he later turned into a longer film maybe
0: it's like your microphone just switched can you double check that it just sounds like i hear more background and like equiness rather than it might be just
1: because your... i was super far away
0: okay never mind don't listen to me cut that part out my bad no it's fine um should i reread that maybe just because it sounded a little echoey
1: where did it um start from like the whole conversation with the shorts
0: yeah okay um so
1: his artwork is featured in a lot of shorts that he had done during his time at disney um they weren't picked up for like films and stuff because his art was considered not disney enough uh, he had Stock of the Celery Monster, Island of Dr. Agor, King of Octopus. There's one called Vincent that I think he later turned into kind of a longer feature. Um, I want to do some of these for like our Horror Shorts Reacts for the Patreon, but you, I think you can find them probably on YouTube. Um, he is quoted as saying that like Disney fucked up because they have turned... Too much to computerizing everything, and they like no longer really do like a cartoonist art group anymore. Um, It's all computer generated, and so he was like, They don't do that anymore, and now a film is gonna come out that's back to the original like cartoon animation drawings, and then they're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, we need to do this. It got big. Um, But yeah, he's really big into like the original art
0: forms, I guess. so the this is written by john logan hugh wheeler and christopher bond like we were talking about earlier john logan wrote the screenplay adaptation and was also the writer for gladiator that's my favorite like, movie it, it's a damn good movie i love that movie um he was also uh, the writer for a lot of other movies that like i have loved that people don't Which include um, Star Trek Nemesis. (laughs) People fucking hate that movie. I think it's awesome. I just I grew up on that movie. It's just. I mean, yeah. Uh, He also did The Time Machine, Sinbad, The Last Samurai, Rango, which has Johnny Depp, which is one of my favorite fucking movies ever. And the way they directed that was so cool and so well done. Anyways, I think The Last Samurai
1: is like one of your dad's favorite movies, isn't it?
0: I feel like. He likes it, but it's not one of his favorites. Okay. I just,
1: like, I picture the VHS tape in your house so prominently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know.
0: He totally got totally it, yeah. so. um But he, he also did Skyfall and Spectre for the 007 movies. And, of course, he did Penny Dreadful, the TV series, which it sounds like we're going to do those for our, uh, some of our TV shorts on Patreon. I don't know how short they are, but... Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Hugh Wheeler wrote a script for a TV movie in two thousand one called Sweeney Todd the Demon Barber of Fleet Street in in concert. And that I think it was like a I wanna say it was kind of like they were filming like a stage, is I think what it kind of looked like. I don't know. But it did have Neil Patrick Harris as Tobias Ragg and Patty LuPone as Mrs. Levitt Lovett,
0: sorry. And for those that have watched the movie and don't know who Tobias Rag is, I hope you would understand and connect that Toby, Toby is Tobias Rag, but for some reason, sometimes people won't notice that. Anyways. So, should we start with the movie? Let's start with the movie. We're going to start <laughs> with the
1: movie, and then we're going to cut it off and leave everyone hanging, and then next week we'll do the second part.
0: <laughs> where uh, Okay, where do we want to cut it?
1: Um. actually it's an hour and 15 do you just
0: want to cut it now and we could do the movie next week sure cool so we can we'll start with the very beginning of the movie in our next episode <laughs>
1: so that gives you a week to watch it and listen to it on Spotify and then you can sing along with us
0: yes there's going to be a lot of singing we're going to have a mainstream. bouncing ball tone deaf
1: I don't care. We're going to have a bouncing ball on the video, like the sing-along Disney movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I totally want that now. Um, um, yeah. So part two is going to come out quick. We're not going to make you wait. Uh, if you have any movie suggestions, if you have any recommendations, if you want to tell us your ideas for this film, um, I'm sorry, your reviews for this film, we'll include them in that episode. Uh, but you can... DM us or find us on Instagram and
0: Facebook at underscore cats underscore witch hats. It cut off. Um, it's
1: horror oh, oh, underscore on. cats underscore witch hats. Sorry, yes. my I didn't pick up the word horror for some reason. Um Bastards. Or, I,
0: or you can email us at sorry, I was coughing. Uh, horror cats, horrorcatswitch hats at gmail.com.
1: And um Send us your cat videos, send us your reviews, send us your movie requests. Um, Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening, but also only if it's good. I'm just kidding. You can rate us poorly. I don't care. Um, Don't send us any curses. Uh,
0: Love your cats. Did I miss anything? Um, Love your cats. Send us cat videos and pictures. Oh. we definitely want to see that. And uh,
1: don't forget to look us up on Patreon if you'd like to help support this podcast. Um, We are currently yeah, footing the bill for all the 800 streaming services and rentals that we have to do to watch all these movies people are recommending, which I don't mind doing, but I'd love to not have to pay
0: for it. Uh, yes. In... Um, and actually took a video of Fred earlier, and he was meowing outside of the door and screaming, so... In the words of Fred... <laughs> MEOW! 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 <laughs> That's him saying, get the fuck off the toilet and feed me! <laughs> Pretty much, even though he has food in his fucking food bowl.